Hey guys, and welcome to the Breathe Out Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Smurl. Our mission is to serve our clients, coworkers, and community. Our goal is to inspire you by sharing all the things we've learned and keep on learning about leadership, culture, safety, and wellness. We hope our message today brings impact and value to our listeners. So let's get started. Hey guys, it's Heather and I've got Isaac with me here today. Um, Isaac and I had a webinar probably about, it feels like six months ago. It's been a while now. Yeah. Early on COVID. Early on in COVID. Um, Hopefully you guys have watched that and we had promised a podcast and we thought that it would be great to circle back, you know, six, nine months into COVID. How long are we into COVID? Spring break. So March. Nine months. Yeah. It's been a while. Six, Six months. I don't do math. (laughs) Okay. So, um, it feels like an eternity is what it feels like. Um, and so I know when COVID started and, you know, everybody was so confused with the, the PPP and what do we do about bringing people back and the safety and mask and, and all those kind of things. And I'm sure you've got some fantastic stories we won't oh leave goodness. it we won't put any names out there <laughs> but some fantastic stories of just what you've seen on the legal side um in the last six months um i just wanted to hear from you what does it look like out there still a strange world without question it's not normal by any stretch of the imagination um we've seen some judges and some courts that have done the best they can with a circumstance no one predicted or could have dealt with in advance um but ultimately what it's done is it slowed down the courthouse. Everything mm-hmm. went to a dead halt for a while. Um, and then they started slowly but surely trying to implement new things to get things going. I think uh, on a positive end, things are going the, by way of Zoom. I was going to ask, are they doing court through Zoom? We are. I just had a bench trial, I guess, a week and a half ago now um, where we, I was in my office with my clients and my staff. And the judge was at the courthouse and opposing counsel was on her computer at her, at her house or wherever she was, her office. And we had a bench trial on a computer. Strangest thing I've ever done. Um, it felt so weird. I'm so used to standing up and doing my thing in front of a judge um, in this particular case. And I'm stuck to my seat staring at a screen oh and my gosh it's horrible i'm not gonna say i hate it i'm gonna, right. honestly, i just don't like it um but jury trials have pretty well been kicked down the way mm-hmm. um they've implemented jury selection at energy so that we can have social distancing and it's an entirely different way of doing things oh and, my gosh um having done dozens and dozens of jury trials and normally you get to get up close and personal and get to know these people and it's kind of important to make sure you pick the right 12. Right. And now you're doing it from a stage where there's all these people in this really huge place and you can't see them because everyone's wearing a face shield or a mask and it makes it super interesting. So we're trying to figure out what the heck we're going to do with this thing. Oh my God. Because it just seems, I mean, it's not going away tomorrow. So we've got mm-hmm. to figure out, you know, what to do next. So from my litigation world, um, there've been the problems and that we had cases set to go. I was supposed to have a really busy trial season this summer. Mm-hmm. And bye bye. <laughs> Those got kicked <laughs> a year and a half down. You know, just they're just going to be reset and moved. Mm-hmm. And for clients who have been waiting for a resolution, um, it's frustrating. You mm-hmm. know, they paid a whole bunch of money to get us here, and you get some momentum, you get going, and you've got experts waiting, and you've got people going in this direction and that direction, and then nothing happens and everything mm-hmm. gets kicked and you don't know what's going to happen next. So we're kind of in this unknown of when am I going to get called? What's going to happen? <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, 
So it makes it difficult. You know, my whole world is being able to predict to a certain degree of certainty what's going to happen or what we can control. Mm-hmm. And one of them was we're going to trial. Mm-hmm. We've got a de- we've got a time period, a two week time period where the judge says this is your time to come determine who's the jury or the judge is going to decide uh, is right or wrong. And that's been taken away. So it makes it hard for me to tell clients this is what to expect. This is how you budget for this because this is where the expensive season's going to be. It's just different. So it makes a uh, Running our practice a little more complicated. Um, mm-hmm. It makes advising clients on what to expect from the litigation side a little more difficult. It doesn't change the law. It doesn't change the contract fight, the business tort, or whatever. But it changes right. the dynamic of how do we deal with this from a business perspective because ultimately it affects the bottom line. They can say, we're going to be in a fight for two years, and this is what we're going to do in the meantime. And come the end of two years, we, you know, we're going to be ready to go take the next step with our business. If it's a big time business fight, for example, but business owners are having trouble trying to figure out what they're going to do next with respect to that while things are overlapping. Mm-hmm. This litigation, you know, if it's big time litigation, which is a lot of what we have, it's not some little bitty thing sometimes. And for some small business owners, it, it can make or break and they need to go, you know, they're owed a bunch of money sometimes and there's a big mm-hmm. fight and they need that money. They need mm-hmm. to win. They need a resolution over ownership interest or whatever it might be so they can take the next step. And when all of that's put to a screeching halt, they're stuck. You're just stuck. And I, and all I do is say, I'm sorry, cause I can't do anything about it. And what do you do? But, um, the positive end to that is it's taken cases that I've had going on for a long time that mm-hmm. we thought the only resolution we're going to, the only way we're going to get a resolution is to put 12 strangers in a box and try this thing to a jury for two weeks. Um, and all of a sudden you get business owners who are saying, we're not going to sit here and wait two years to get a resolution. Mm. And all of a sudden it's a little more conducive to go have a business discussion and to negotiate and cut a deal that works for everybody. Um, which has been good. I had a few things come off my, I'll call it my docket of cases where if you had asked me a year ago, um, pre COVID, whether that case would settle, knowing the personalities on both sides, the answer right. is never in a million years. This is a case that's going to be tried. Um, and they've settled. And it's but because both parties are willing to settle at some point because it's still like it seems like you'd have this stubborn one. Well, it, 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 it has to in circumstances, right? Mm-hmm. And but it's just turned out where some where both sides sometimes really need that resolution and yeah. they, they need an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, there are some folks who use this COVID thing as further delay, as further a defense, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and sometimes the best defense is just delay, delay, delay. Right. And let time roll on. And you can't make me do anything. You can't take a deposition because the courts say I don't have to unless I feel 100% comfortable. And um, I think it's a huge disadvantage to try, you know, to do these depositions via Zoom where you can't look the witness in the eye and do the usual, here's a piece of paper, and it's really strange and mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're having to adjust on the fly because courts mm-hmm. are now ordering us to do these depositions and to move mm-hmm. cases along using Zoom. And um, at the same time, the upside is learning how to do things differently is always hard and it's not fun. But if once you figure it out, you realize it's doable mm-hmm. and it actually can be pretty convenient for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got clients from all over the greater Houston area and all over the state and elsewhere. So now it's like, no, you don't have to drive into the Galleria to my office, fight traffic, park, come in there and, you know, deal with this. You can do it from your home, your home office, whatever mm-hmm. you want. Mm-hmm. So technology's taken over. It's going to be a staple for the courts. A lot of them like this an awful lot. 
So even Can you imagine judges just sitting in their underwear with just their Oh my goodness. <laughs> Don't make me picture some of my very good friend judges in their underwear. It's not something I like to do, but um, it, you know, it, they are actually doing their Zoom. They actually do go to the courthouse. So they run their Zoom from the bench. They run most it of the actually time. from the on, bench. On occasion, there have hmm. been a few judges who did it from their home offices. Yeah. But um, they're also having people coming back into the courthouse slowly but surely. Um, jury trials have started again, but very limited circumstances. Everyone's kind of got to agree, mm-hmm. and there's got to be a whole bunch of kumbaya going on. Um but I think the criminal dockets is what's getting taken care of because those people are really stuck in limbo. If they can't have their trial and they couldn't make bail, they're sitting so, in the holding okay. cell. Yeah. So that's so the other side. they're going to push that stuff quicker than they are, you know, business litigation. It's just money. You guys deal with that later is kind of how they see it sure. as opposed to this is someone's life. life. Right. Yeah. Totally different. Freedom or not. It's a big difference. Family mm-hmm. cases also get pushed ahead of that too because you've got mm-hmm. children, you've got custody issues, you've got all of those. So mm-hmm. that makes it even harder. Okay, you get four juries that can go, you know, any given day and mm-hmm. they spread them out so there's only one per floor, so fewer people, et cetera. Those are going to get picked by a criminal court or family court first. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to get some other stuff and maybe you'll get a civil case. Maybe. If you're willing to do it. And then you're trying a case with a mask on and a face shield. And in my world... The visual is everything. I need to, if I think I've got somebody and I can tell the witness is lying, not lying, uncomfortable, all of these. It's all about reading that body language. Exactly. And you lose so, it seems so, so crazy that just a face mask causes such a loss of being able to read somebody. It's nuts to it's, me. It's but insane. But it's so true. I mean, like I sit in meetings sometimes and I'm like, if I can't see the whole face mm-hmm. and the body language and everything, I'm like... It's hard to read a room, and it's real hard to read a Zoom room. Oh, my know? goodness. It's, it's impossible. It's, um, uh, so it's tough. There was a practice round out of a court in San Antonio who did a jury trial via Zoom where all of the jurors were at home. Oh, my gosh. And the court was there, and it was a practice run. So it, was, it didn't count. We'll call it that way. It wasn't sure. legit, but they ran it, and it was a catastrophe. Yeah. You know, getting jurors to focus in the courtroom while – they're there. It's hard enough sometimes. Right. Um, and that's the problem with Zoom is people then, are doing. You know, you know, their emails are popping up. They're getting dogs barking in the background. Kids coming kids in. Kids walking so, by. Uh-huh. All that kind of stuff. Um, so it's it's a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not fun by any stretch of the imagination. I have enjoyed, you know, being able to work from home and spend more time with my wife as we're both working from home and family stuff like that. But, um, you know, when the Internet crashes in the middle of a oral hearing with a judge and you pick up the phone and say, judge, I'm sure it's not a good feeling. And the frustrations come in. Yeah. Or you're like talking on Zoom. Or the judge (laughs) is making his ruling. And we had a hearing where I was doing it from my home office and the judge says, okay, so this is what we're going to do. And he starts his ruling, which is the most important part of the hearing. Uh And it goes. (laughs) So so the the problem there isn't so much. He can, you know, okay, fine. We're going to get an order. But if you want to appeal some things, you've got to have a court reporter who knows exactly what he said. And the court reporter's court on the reporter Zoom. Couldn't <laughs> hear, she's in her house. She couldn't hear oh, it. And no. I'm just sitting here saying, oh, my gosh, this is going to be a huge, complicated mess. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's there's the downside. And the upside is everyone in my office is healthy and safe. And businesses yeah. are being taken care of. And we're learning how to do things differently. Yeah. And um, things are getting settled. And one day, one day, we're going to get back to some sense of normalcy. But we're also going to have learned an awful lot from this experience to say, okay, 
all those really easy little hearings that clients pay a bunch of money for, for us to go down a normal case before COVID, you know, you drive down there, you park, you sit in the courtroom, you wait sometimes a couple hours before the judge gets to your case. Mm -hmm. And then you go up there and talk for two minutes and go home and the client's paying a bill for a couple hours because that's how much time you were there. Now it's okay. You set up your zoom, you're sitting there, you set it aside, you're on your computer, you're working on other things and it's time to go. You hit pause on what you're working on. You get on and say, good morning, judge. I'm here on behalf of so-and-so. You have a Zoom hearing for two minutes. You get what you want. The client pays for 10 minutes of time mm-hmm. because you're a little prep time and your little hearing. So it's better for clients in that regard. Yeah. Um, easier on time, easier on miles, traffic, parking, all of that stuff. But mm-hmm. um, change is hard. And I think across the board, whether it's in the legal world or dealing with kids going back to school in this COVID world that we're living in, mm-hmm. um, sports changing, um, you know, just going to restaurants and everything's just different. It is definitely very different. So on the business side of it, um, you know, just kind of circling back to the claims or the, the settlements, we've seen a ton of that on the claim side because nothing's moving, you know, in the courts right now. Mm-hmm. Um, same kind of situation, but people are starting to take settlements and that's always to the advantage of our you know clients if we can get a settlement versus going to a jury trial, you know? So so I don't do a lot of plaintiff's work. Um, My firm doesn't either, but I have a lot of friends that are Mm -hmm. plaintiff's lawyers and they're out there looking to get their client the best result they can get them. Mm -hmm. And when you tell a client you're going to sit here with your car wreck case injury, your big time personal injury case for three years before anything happens, um, it's frustrating for them, obviously. Mm -hmm. So the price of settlement goes down significantly mm-hmm. insurance companies are going to say, well, here's your, here's what the adjuster's putting out there, understanding the real world, which is if I don't have to pay out for two years, it's an advantage for the insurance company. Right. Um, and the plaintiff will take less. And, mm-hmm. you know, so on my insurance defense buddy side, they're loving it. Yeah. On uh, yeah. the it, plaintiff's, you know, bar and, and my buddies over there, they're not liking it very much. Yeah. Um, but you deal with what you got to deal with. Yeah, and, it's kind of uh, like some people are winning in some areas and some people aren't in others. Exactly. So on the business side of it, have you seen any crazy like demands or lawsuits or stuff come out yet with people with, you know, PPE stuff or getting sick or, you know, got um, any great stories there? No, nothing exciting. Um, there, there is some business disruption fights going all over the place. People trying to trigger policies, seeing if they're covered or not. Um, for like uh, the... Um, for having to be shut down for a few oh, weeks okay. for COVID income. on the business income stuff. Yeah. Um, and that litigation is going on all over the country and we're kind of just paying attention to see where that's going to go and what the courts, how, how they rule on some of these policies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've in, in, for my book and my clientele, you know, we, we've avoided huge fights by making, I think really good business decisions on the front end with how to deal with very unique circumstances mm-hmm. that overlap with the COVID stuff. It's okay. And it's, Let's make the right business decision, which is kind of the way I try to give advice. I'm not trying to lend towards, we're going to win in a lawsuit. This is great. It's always, it's avoid the courthouse at all costs if we can, right. even though really my favorite thing to do in my profession is stand in front of a jury and try a case. But um, I think by and large, my clients have made really good business decisions with what to do with complex circumstances by putting in the right protocols, by making sure everybody was safe, by... Mm-hmm. You know, we did have an outbreak for for a client of mine um, that owns a restaurant, mm. and um, 
they shut, they just decided we're just shutting down for two days and we're paying for testing and we're doing all these things and we're going to make sure everybody's safe. Mm-hmm. Um, which made it difficult because then you get certain employees who are going to say, I'm still feeling bad. I'm just going to keep staying home and collecting, you know, a paycheck. And, um, you have those that haven't turned into big time litigation. It made for some tough calls about, do we let that person go or not kind of mm-hmm. discussion? Mm-hmm. And then, well, we want to let them go, but we've got this PPP loan. So you get all of these overlapping kind of, what do we do? Very um, complex. So for each client and each entity in their business, it's kind of, we take it on a case by case and get super creative. And I think by and large, we've avoided huge, complicated messes, mm-hmm. um, which is good for my clients. Um, you know, they haven't had to pay me a whole bunch of money to go defend a bunch of crazy lawsuits, but, um, I'm glad you're looking at not making any money. You know, I cut, (laughs) I I, I cut, I'm starving to death over here, but it's great. You know, no, but at the same time I'm busy and life is good. And it's, you know, at the end of the day, if my client's business is successful, I've got a client for another 20 years. There you go. Um, I'm not trying to get rich on each one. Eventually something bad might happen. And Mm -hmm. I know they're going to call and know that I'm not going to go make every penny I can off of them for you know, every little case that comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the way I practice, not what my firm practices. And I probably would be an awful lot, you know, better off if I, if I practiced it a little differently for over the last 12, 13 years, but that's just, I got to look in the mirror. Absolutely. And, 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 uh, and so it's I good. I agree with you on that one. Like, I mean, I want to run a business where our clients are truly better off with us. That's the, that's the um, goal. And that, you know, we're always doing the right thing. It's not about how much money we're making because if Indeed. you do the right thing, the money always comes. That's what it pays off in spades in the end. Absolutely. In, in, in. Um, okay. So what about the real estate market? Cause like, um, building owners that had tenants that didn't pay and all that kind of stuff that went out down and like the apartments and what's going on there. Do you know anything about that? Well, in the residential side, and I don't do a whole lot of this other than my mother-in-law and father-in-law owned a bunch of resident residential, uh, rental properties. Um, and we had to evict somebody in February and luckily I got in right before the moratorium was passed. And now there's an awful lot of residential, uh, landlords who are stuck with tenants who just aren't paying rent because they're just going to claim COVID. And now right. they just have to sign an affidavit with the JP and the justice of the peace says, okay, no eviction. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's horrible. I think it's horrible for the economy. I think it's horrible for individuals and it's just not, um, not sustainable. Hopefully the more terms of sooner than later so that property owners can use their property for what they want and landlords can do uh, what they need. And, and, in the commercial side, I have a pretty significant book of business of commercial landlords. I'll call it people that just have you know, high rises in the Galleria or mm-hmm. shopping centers and so forth. Um, on the day-to-day stuff, the restaurant, the, the guys who are leasing out space for restaurants and convenience stores and day-to-day consumables are doing fine. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's, it's, the, uh, it's the commercial business tenants who have you know, a bunch of people who are now working from home and they don't need two floors Mm -hmm. in the gallery at some obscene amount of money, you Mm -hmm. know, per square foot. Um, and we've had, uh, I've negotiated and helped negotiate deals where tenants saying we're just not going to pay and we're just going to breach the lease because we're never coming back to use those two floors. Wow. Um, so it's affected some of my clients that own the buildings and they're working as landlords big time on the long term. We've been able to negotiate some deals where say that we're going to get a buyout where they get an influx of a year's worth of rent. Mm-hmm. But by and large for the tenant, that's a pretty good deal considering it was a five-year five year lease, lease or, or something. something. Yeah. Um, so we try to mitigate those losses. Mm-hmm. They, they may need to repurpose those 
It's going to leave a lot of open space. It's going to reduce the cost of rent. They're already knowing that 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 mm-hmm. they're not going to lease the space for the same rates that they were going. I think um, some of my commercial broker friends in the area are saying, you know, comps aren't comps anymore because mm-hmm. you'll have a building right next door mm-hmm. that's just as nice as this one, but that landlord you know, took it in the shorts in a different building. So he's really needs to just get anybody in there. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden you've got the market's not consistent the way it was easy to kind of anticipate what it would cost for an A suite and X kind of building in an area. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, it's going to be places where they struggle and it's okay. So you take that struggle um, and then you parlay that into, we've got a bank note and we've got to go pay for this, you know, this high rise building right. that's leveraged by the rent roll. Right. And we've got a banker who's uncomfortable right. and a banker who's saying, when am I going to call the note? And it's like, no, no, we're good, man. And it's trying to keep all of that. And it's really, let's talk about it as a business. And then you talk to the banker and say, your bank really doesn't want this high rise because then they're going to be stuck with the asset that's going to, that they're going to be paying taxes on and maintenance mm-hmm. and stuff that they can't do anything with. So you don't, don't feed me that we're going to foreclose business because you're not mm-hmm. right. And it's, that's the business side of what keeps me busy, obviously. It's a lot of tough conversations. It is, oh, they're tough. But it's also the reality. And what, what, I, what you figure out, and it's actually refreshing, is that everyone says, look, ultimately, if we all succeed in some form or fashion, we all take a little loss, but for the long term, for all of us, you know, banker, landlord, tenant, mm-hmm. across the board, to succeed, mm-hmm. let's come to a compromise and figure it out. And to see people kind of be willing to work together in an industry that's usually pretty cutthroat mm-hmm. um, is refreshing. And then mm-hmm. that's where, okay, we're not at the courthouse. We're not fighting over stuff. We've got contracts and yeah, there are terms and we do have obligations, but then we take on realities. Um, mm-hmm. So it's been refreshing to kind of just see as it goes through to see some compromise coming out of this thing in, you know, in a business world where that's not common. So. Yeah, it's, um, it's going to be interesting when so many businesses, I mean, you, you went to work every day. Mm-hmm. You said in an office, and I know like the bigger uh, shops in our industry. So the, we call them the alphabet houses, the big brokers, mm-hmm. the national brokers. They have all said you're not coming back till January, and a ton of businesses have made that mm-hmm. deal. Like everybody just work from home till January. Now, us being a smaller firm, and because we just love each other so much, and don't <laughs> care about spreading germs, I guess. Um, we had a really hard time with like we could not make that kind of commitment. Sure. Um, we were all felt like we were going nuts being at home all the time. Um, like it's just so incredibly difficult. Do you have a lot of clients that are still like their whole staffs working from home or like are you seeing that a lot in the industry? Yeah, I mean I know law firms used to have you know most of their staff working from home. We just, um, in my office and in, in the Galleria here, we just went back with everybody full time about a week ago. Mm-hmm. We had been kind of spacing it out, mm-hmm. you know, half the staff on, half off. Um, I'd work from home as needed kind of thing because now I've also got to deal with my kids are, you know, we're remote school right. and, you know, daddy's playing lawyer slash second grade school yeah. teacher. Um, and, you know, that's, understanding that our staff need to deal with those things too. And you just kind of got to be really flexible and be a good boss for your staff and, and, and be responsive for your clients, no matter where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, but absolutely there are a number of clients I have that, that don't see a need to spend the overhead on all this rent anymore. Mm-hmm. So they may just, you know, I mentioned a minute ago that we negotiated some deals for, for landlords and whatnot, but on the tenant side, I've negotiated those same deals. 
Um, mm-hmm. So this tenant doesn't need five floors of your building anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, they need two. They're willing to pay two. They'll pay a little extra for those two floors, but they need off those three floors. Wow. And then you negotiate it because they're going to have, they've realized that their HR department doesn't have to have an office suite in there. Mm-hmm. And they can meet in a conference room twice a month, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's easier to social distance and do all those things. But again, this, this, this pandemic has forced people to look at the world very differently very differently, and to realize that the old school way of doing things of getting in your car and driving into town and going mm-hmm. to an office isn't something that's nest quote unquote necessary for a company to survive. Mm-hmm. It was something that was customary, something that everybody was used to. We did it for 20 years by gosh, we're going to keep doing it. And then you're forced to change. Mm-hmm. And for those folks who changed and, and, and who thrived, some thrived, some did better. Right. Some folks were more efficient and more effective because they got to work from home. That's something they'd always wanted, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so it varies. I also know some companies who just shuttered and they did, they couldn't adjust. They weren't ready for the change and they were too old school and their systems weren't set up. So I've got some clients of mine who are dealing with bankruptcy counsel because oh, life man. has turned horrible for them. Um, so it's, it really goes across the spectrum. Mm-hmm. But what boils down to is being prepared for change or adjusting as quickly as you can and being willing to uh, to make whatever changes are necessary to thrive and be a good boss and listen to your folks. Mm-hmm. Um, listen to your staff. Listen to the folks that help make you money and help your business run. And if you take those into account, generally end up ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and those that did that are going to end up way ahead because they're... Really know. are. I mean, that's what we've seen in our industry. I feel like we did... We did a really good job with COVID. I mean, we were lucky enough that we had already had all the technology in place to literally like leave that day kind of deal, Mm -hmm. you know, and we had enough laptops, we had enough, um, like everything was in the cloud and, and we had been working on that for years to get to that point. And literally like a week before all this happened, we had just decided to purchase all the sales teams, these brand new, you know, Microsoft go laptops or whatever. So that gave us like 15 extra laptops that we were going to just chunk or whatever. And we're like, oh my gosh, we now have enough <laughs> laptops for the entire... And then at that point, you can even get a laptop. So oh, like, I know. You know yes. Uh, we're stripping monitors off the floor and all sorts of stuff. But I think that we did a really good job of communication um, in the beginning. And I think a lot of businesses, it was like, okay, we're all hyped up and we're going to really, really communicate um, we did like zoom meetings and heck we had zoom dance parties. I mean, how weird <laughs> is that? Right. We would dress up in outfits every day and, you know, just to try to stay connected and sure. really support each other. Um, and then when summer hit and everybody wanted to, you know, go on vacation, I'm like, I'm all over all this stuff. And if I sit on zoom one more time, I'm going to die. Right. Um, I feel like we lost some of that intentionality to reach out to to people, to our staff. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I feel like a lot of businesses kind of did that. Then it's like, okay, school now. And the less that you touch people, the 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 less that they feel valued. You no know? doubt. No doubt. And now we're running into, so we've got, um, we give everybody the option. Do you love working from home? Is that your jam? Do you want to stay home or do you want to come into the office? Because some people thrived at home. Others were like, get me out of here. I'm going to die. Mm-hmm. Um and so we have whole teams, like whole business units that were like, we love working from home and we work really well together. And they're not in kind of like this collaboration type uh, teams where they have to have a lot of dialogue with each other. Um, they're 
thriving and loving it. And that work that works really well for them. A good combination, it sounds like, is working. So you've got, I mean, we walked into the office today. You've got a whole group of people here working and getting along. And if you've got folks at home, they're still being productive. Then it, it's that good mix. Mm-hmm. And I think we try to do that in my office as well. You know, we, as folks are at home and you... You know, hopefully they're not really listening to this. So I'm not tattletelling anybody, but you can see some folks who are more productive while they're at home than others. I mean, oh, it's, just, it's just, you can see, um, you know, you can see the work product come through. It's quality. It's not somebody's focus. Somebody's not. Um, but there's always a good idea. I'll call it behind everybody getting together and collaborating yeah. and, and having the social connection and the face-to-face communication to crack a joke to stand by the coffee machine and just have a conversation and that morale and that culture you can't you You can't can't replace you can't duplicate it via zoom call i don't care how Mm -hmm. much fun you try to have it's still Mm -hmm. it's still it's still not the same thing Mm -hmm. and uh you know i I, coming in here and i like the way you and and brandon and, and the teams that you guys have and the relationships you guys have together it makes it a good place to work um, a good place to come, a mm-hmm. place that doesn't feel like a chore. Um, at least that's what it feels like to me. I'm not here every day, obviously, but um, and we try to do that. I mean, obviously, there's work to be done and, and so forth. But um, evolve, figure mm-hmm. it out. That's evolve that's the or goal. Die. Exactly. That's what we always say. Um, one of the things we did too was uh, we gave people a hybrid. So we said you can work from home two days a week and come into the office three days a week. Um, cause my deal was you're going to lose your, your office office if you only come in one day a week kind of deal. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. I gotta have a little bit of like incentive, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we chose the same two days for the whole company. So we said, okay, Wednesday, Thursday are work from home days. Um, and then there's no confusion on, is it their work from home day? Or are they here? Are they right. not here? Da, da, da. And we intentionally said we weren't going to do it on Mondays and Fridays. Cause those are the days that I think if you're not in an office environment can sometimes backfire on you yes. a little bit, you know? Um, and so it's like, okay, get set up. Everybody's here on Monday. Um, and, and then kind of go from there. What we've really struggled with now is the blends of you got, you know, a team of 10 people that meets once a week. Let's say we have these team meetings and three of them are on Zoom and the rest of them are present. Uh, the blended meetings have been a real struggle. Have y'all run into any of that? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, when we've had, I've got clients everywhere. So we'll right. have client meetings and we'll do them via Zoom because I want to see the face-to-face, especially if they're really, I'm going to call them high highly important i mean we can have conversations about i'm important enough you actually came to my i'm office. here and i also live five, <laughs> 10 minutes down the street so it's it's very convenient um and and again the social interaction to me is is yeah. awesome but you know meeting with clients especially at the peak of covid where everybody was just remote and i'm saying doing this by phone i, I need to show you documents i need to share my screen we need to right. do these things um well that also evolved to i was back in my office and i, I you know I have an associate working with me on some of these complicated things. So we'll both be in my office, physically in my office, as you and I are here right now, um, on a Zoom call with clients who are all over the place. And it is complicated and yeah. it's frustrating and it's talking over each other. And it's, you know, the normal conversation, the way it goes, it's somebody starts talking, then another face jumps on the screen because they started talking or they ruffled some papers and um, you figure it out. New world. New world. Not always fun. Like I said, I, I think I'll say it for the hundredth time so far. Mm-hmm. Change is hard. Um, but if you're resilient, you'll be all right. Mm-hmm. And we'll figure it out. And at the end of the day, 
um, I think will be better for this because we've gone through something really complicated that was just thrown on mm-hmm. everybody mm-hmm. at the same time and said, go figure it out. So, so I, I saw this economist I was going to, that um, was a, a keynote speaker for a virtual conference that I got to lovely. I've been to a lot of virtual conferences this last six months um, with you know my CEO groups and stuff. But this economist said that all COVID did was accelerate things that were already going to happen. So if companies were going to, you know, eventually were going to go bankrupt, it just accelerated that because they weren't ones that were willing to change. Um, and, um, you know, businesses that were going to thrive were accelerated, but all COVID, COVID was an accelerator to things that were already going to happen, like technology. I mean, the technology was already there, but now it was forced and accelerated to kind of, you know, so it kind of, I guess, pushed us into the future 20 years, you know, in some ways. I thought that was very interesting to think about it that way and to look at how a businesses that businesses that weren't really well ran have struggled immensely and businesses that have done well are doing really well. I think it's a magnifier. I accelerate. Right. I think it magnifies strengths and weaknesses of yes. businesses. Um, and we've seen that where, you know, we've had companies that I've represented for a long time that were always ahead of the game, that mm-hmm. were always ahead of the game just for their technology, just for their security systems, just from the way, you know, they set up the remote access for, you know, for they people, weren't waiting. They weren't waiting, mm-hmm. kind of the way you guys were. And for them, it was an adjustment period, but it was a short one. Right. Um, you know, there are some companies who, whether they were prepared tech-wise or not, um, the economy taking a crash in other places just destroyed some businesses by no fault of anybody. No fault of their own. They just didn't, yeah. um, You know, it's just a function of that industry just can't take the hit. It right. was already teetering. So maybe it wasn't the business, but maybe it was the industry the business was in. Right. So they, you know, the bit that an industry, and you can name a dozen of them probably, just, okay, all of a sudden you're stopping X, Y, or Z. There's nothing you can do. It's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's an awful lot of merit to that analysis. I think what mm-hmm. he said, it, it, it did accelerate for some people. You were on the verge. I mean, you were teetering. You were right there. And it magnified the weaknesses, and you weren't prepared to go deal with those mm-hmm. things that you'd been doing wrong, probably for a systemic period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those folks who were being innovative and who were running their offices a certain way, running their businesses, you know, had a little cash in the bank to be prepared for a, a short period to cover, to grow, or who had a bunch of cash in the bank, you said, Hey, look, I can now go take this free cash flow mm-hmm. and go buy out my two competitors who are struggling. And all mm-hmm. of a sudden my company's grown threefold. So yeah. I've seen a number of mergers acquisitions from that, that part of my firm as well, where mm. companies that were run and were flush. And they weren't mm-hmm. leveraged out the wazoo mm-hmm. um, with bank loans and whatnot. And then they know some of the competitors who were leveraged out the wazoo, who couldn't make their bank payment, who were struggling to make the note. But they had great workers. They had a great product. They had great producers. And it's like now is the time to it's go like buy cheap. And you've got people who are going to, you know, eat or be killed. And some of those guys have gone and they've, you know, we've, they've taken advantage of it. And you think about the folks who had to sell because they had no choice. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they were eaten. And yeah. It, it, but that's that's business. So there's something that I hear on Entree Leadership uh, podcast. I heard it probably 17 different times, but I love it. He says, um, Daniel Tardy is a host of that. He mm-hmm. says, healthy things grow and growing things change. So if you think about that, the healthy things are growing uh-huh. 
And then the change that is so hard is because of the growth. Absolutely. So I feel like if you can embrace that as part of the deal, it's like, hey, this change is 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 here, and you just you got to accept it. Um, and I, I remember for the longest time, it's like, oh, the the new normal, or it's like there's there there is no, we're not going back to whatever was before. Like this, the, you know, and it's going to continue to change, and the pace of change is so much quicker than it was even ever yes. before you know so but i always look at it as if we're changing that means we're growing um because healthy things grow and growing things change that's a beautiful statement actually i like that a lot i had heard it said it that way but it's absolutely 1000 percent accurate um mm-hmm. and you know if embrace the change yeah. if you embrace it as painful as it may be at times to, mm-hmm. to go do things differently than what you're accustomed to mm-hmm. um I think in life, not just business, not just here, but in life in general. I think if you embrace the changes that come, um, good things can come from it. If mm-hmm. you push back against it, you're going to lose the battle because the change is going to happen whether you want it to or not. Absolutely. And if you're pushing up against a hard brick wall, it's not going anywhere. You might mm-hmm. as well move forward and deal with it and, and you know, take the positive from it. And I think those folks that look at life that way and they look at their businesses that way mm-hmm. will succeed. Mm-hmm. And it may not be the picture of what they thought a year ago, six months ago, 10 years ago, whatever it might be. But... Um, if they embrace the change, they'll end up finding the right place and where mm-hmm. they're supposed to be and where their business can go. Um, and they're innovative and creative and they've got a great team of folks behind them, then businesses will be super successful. Mm-hmm. And they'll have less competition because there's going to be folks who aren't ready for that change, who aren't embracing the change and who aren't taking, you know, taking the ride the right way, so to speak. And they're going to stay left in the lurch. Mm-hmm. I think that's how it'll go. So one of our core values is actually pursue discomfort. I don't know if you've heard me say uh-huh. that before. Um and we, we define these five core values actually just last year and pursue discomfort was like our favorite one. And so Brandon and I both got it tattooed on us. Did you I really? have it on my wrist and we both got it tattooed on us in like November. And our thing is comfort is the casualty of growth. And so in the uncomfort is the growth, but you know, growing things change, right? So I just think it's, God's got such a great sense of humor because now it's like, okay, I thought I was, and that was the theme for this year, uh, was pursue discomfort for okay. the staff. I'm like, well, you're definitely pursuing some discomfort, you know? <laughs> um, but the things that are happening out of it are, I mean, if you look at all the, the positive things and the ability for people to have more time with their family and to reconnect and to realize that, Hey, I don't have to travel all over and burn up all this crazy energy um, and I can get that much more done. I feel like I've gotten so much more done in the last six months, maybe because I'm not traveling all the time, but, um, you know, it's like, I, and I hope we get to the balance of it, but I don't want to go back to where we were before. I want to kind of have all, the best of all of it. You know? Sure. I mean, there's always, I guess, the innate desire to have comfort, right? To mm-hmm. be comfortable, to know that you've got a routine, to know that this is what you do. You get up, you eat breakfast, you have your coffee, you do this, you do that. This is kind of what you do. Um, and I think human nature is to go say, that's what I do. And there are people who have done the same thing for years, decades mm-hmm. even. And this is just the order of operations. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your point, if you want any kind of positive growth, I think you have to have some adversity. Have you got to have something. Um, I'm going to screw up the saying, but... Uh, You know, you take a piece of coal and you place a lot of pressure on it and you end up with a diamond over years Mm -hmm. and years and years and years of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Pressure, pressure, frustration, change, Mm -hmm. um, being uncomfortable forces you to do things that you don't want to do, which force you to grow. Makes you more resilient. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. it, 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 it... 
you know, it, but it's challenging. It's no question. Oops. <laughs> I didn't hear that. Um, it, it's challenging and, and it will be challenging. Um, but to your point, I think that change is great and you may not realize that while you're going through it, it's not always something you, 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 you feel immediately. It feels mm-hmm. frustrated. You feel frustration. Mm-hmm. You feel anxiety. You feel worry. Mm-hmm. Um, the unknown is problematic for every human that I've ever known. Just, I don't know. And you, and, and embracing the unknown to some degree and taking the challenge on to go figure it out as you go. Mm-hmm. Those folks that embrace it will grow and that growth will lend to good things. And, um, you guys get some good core values going on, and I think it shows in the way the business is going and growing. Have you ever heard "embrace the suck"? I haven't heard that one. That one's <laughs> that one's pretty awesome too. Yeah. So I, I, I wasn't <laughs> sure that would go well as a core value. You'd be like, "embrace the suck," but um, that's the idea. Is that you know? <laughs> and I always say that in a really tough workout. Like, um, yeah, I mean, the workouts know, that hurt, the workouts where you're done, and you feel like are the ones you are the ones you reap the most benefits from, and you feel so proud of yourself uh-huh. from. You know, and I feel but like that's while, the same thing with this stuff. Not mm-hmm. while you're doing it, but for certain. Heck you, no! no in the exactly. moment, you're like this freaking. Sucks, <laughs> exactly. you know. Why and am I doing this on purpose? Exactly, yeah. and that's where I feel like COVID has been like, man, this sucks, but I'm seeing so many great things mm-hmm. from it. If you choose to look through, you know, the lens of what what is good coming out of it. Exactly. Do you think that a lot of businesses are going to um, run into litigious issues with employees that have been laid off and have been, um, you know, or if someone does get sick and, um, so the tea leaves that I kind of see and in those claims would come from the plaintiff's world, the plaintiff's lawyer's world. Right. Um, so I'm not a member of that bar, so to speak. I don't practice. Not not your area. I'm on the other end. Most of them representing the businesses. Um, but I do know that there are some plaintiff's lawyers out there who are marketing big time. Have Mm -hmm. you been sick? Have you been this? Have, were you exposed inappropriately to somebody with COVID? Did your boss does not have the right, um, mm. protocols in place were you forced to come to work even though you didn't feel comfortable and did you get sick did somebody die and yada 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 um there's gonna be an influx of those cases mm-hmm. i think um without question it's going to happen because i think uh, from the plaintiff's lawyer side on the contingency fee side you know they see a new set of potential liability Absolutely. um and and for a lot of those cases, it might be rightfully so, because I also know a number of businesses who didn't put the protocols in, who yeah. forced employees to come back, who didn't take, didn't heed good advice, who didn't follow mm-hmm. CDC guidelines, who didn't do the, follow the rules. And I think what you're going to end up having is those companies are going to take, you know, are, are going to be taking on an awful lot of litigation mm-hmm. exposure, we'll call it. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen them yet. I think it's because we're still in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to be something in the relatively near future where there'll be an awful lot of filings in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully none of my clients are dealing with that stuff because they have taken the appropriate measures and, you know, we, and, and, and followed guidelines and they, we spoke about what they should or shouldn't do um, for mm-hmm. their folks. Um, and, you know, if we get that demand letter from that plaintiff story that says, you know, Johnny Smith was sick and now he's got forever lung damage and it's your fault. I can say, well, we were reasonable. Here's my response. Here are all the things that the client did. They papered well. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they papered it. And, I and love we've that. got support. So, um, you know, I don't foresee a whole bunch of my clients having to deal with it, thankfully, mm-hmm. um, which again so means I don't make any money having to defend those claims. But that's a good thing because the clients mm-hmm. can go, you know, run their businesses. Mm-hmm. But I think there's going to be an awful lot of that litigation just 
all over the country. Honestly, it's going to be something where people are well, just it's going to be... start in, you know, California and New York. You know, it ever starts here. Yes, <laughs> you know, absolutely. It, it trickles down here eventually. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it will definitely trickle its way down here. Um, so do you think that the courts will open up next year more regularly? <laughs> and how are people ever going to, are y'all ever going to catch up? Well, um, Technically, the courts are opening now, and that's what the judges would want me to be saying. Okay. okay. Um, I'm, you know, I participate in this litigation roundtable that a few of the judges put on, and a mm-hmm. bunch of different lawyers get on these Zoom calls, and we mm-hmm. talk about how we figure this out. So step one was we're going to do jury trials this certain way, and it's mm-hmm. very different in the way things are handled. Um, but they're happening. So the courthouses are open. They're not yeah. moving as swiftly as we'd like. Um I do think that eventually we're going to get rolling again. There's going to be a log jam, but it's no different than the log jam post Harvey. So Mm. when Hurricane Harvey hit, it destroyed the criminal courthouse downtown. Mm. And every one of those courts moved to the civil courthouse where I practice. So just for those out there who don't know kind of how the courthouses work in downtown, there were three main buildings. You've got the civil courthouse that deals with family and civil cases, business Uh lawsuits and, and personal injury type cases, probate and such. You've got the criminal courthouse that deals with all criminal matters. And then you have a juvenile courthouse that deals with juvenile matters. Mm -hmm. The criminal courthouse, which housed umpteen, I don't know, 30 some odd courts, whatever it is, I don't know the exact number. That courthouse was unusable for about a year. Wow. So all of those, all of those courts moved over to the civil courthouse. Mm -hmm. So then you had judges sharing courtrooms and sharing staff and, trying a case with you know, criminal courts to get priority because we talked about earlier, you've got life liberty here. I mean, we're not talking about money. So all of a sudden we're sharing small courtrooms. There's not enough space. A backlog was easily created and mostly in the civil world because mm-hmm. of the priority. So, you know, when Harvey hit, it was just, you know, all of a sudden we're trying to figure out calendaring. And I mean, I, I remember I tried a jury trial um, that went for about seven days uh, and we jumped around to seven different courtrooms. So wow. we started on one courtroom day one, you know, in the ceremonial courtroom on the very top floor, picked a jury. And I think we started day two in there. And then we ended up moving back to a different court where we had availability. And then we hopped to a different court. We had availability the next day. Um, just kind of figured it out. But, you know, the courts downtown are pretty resilient. They've got some smart mm-hmm. people figuring out the logistics. And we were able to get some things going. Mm-hmm. The dockets eventually caught up. And now the criminal courts, very recently, in the last few months, moved back a full time to the criminal mm-hmm. courthouse. So now mm-hmm. we're kind of back to normal. Um, and just when things were getting quote unquote back to normal, um, COVID hits and now we've got limited jury trials per floor to minimize the number of people congregating and use of restrooms and things like that. But um, I think we've got an awful lot of great folks at the courthouse right now. I think a lot of the mm-hmm. judges, the administrative judges in charge, uh, they created a, uh, a group of judges who decided to volunteer their time to figure this out. And, um, they're working really hard. I got a great deal of respect for those folks. And, uh, I think that they're coming up with the best they can Mm -hmm. for the system. Um, if things continue to go the way they're going for much longer though, and we're only having a jury trial, two jury trials, so many per month, Mm -hmm. um, 
and it's not a function of the judge is not wanting to do it. It's a function of we don't have enough jurors. We don't have right. enough places. We don't have enough people. Right. Do we How have do you the socially right? distance 12 <laughs> jurors in a and tiny little courtroom? Exactly. Well, and that's the interesting thing here, too. So they're doing jury trials now, as I mentioned, but the jurors aren't sitting in the box. Yeah. So they're rearranging the whole courtroom where you've got jurors socially distanced all over the courtroom, so different places. So from my perspective, I'm so You're not even talking to the juror box. Like, you know, you're you, like all over the you room. you got the witness sitting over there and... You could have jurors to your right, to your left, behind mm-hmm. you, in all kinds of different places. And it makes sense. You want the social distancing, but how do you make eye contact with these people and do what I'm used to doing? Mm-hmm. So from the trial lawyer perspective and having done it a certain way for a very long time, it's it's going to be interesting when I finally get back to do it. Um, but I don't think we're ever going to go back, to your point a while ago, to what was quote-unquote normal. Mm-hmm. There's, It's not a new normal. It's going to be a new. It's mm-hmm. going to be different. Mm-hmm. And you figure it out or... Evolve or die. Exactly. Yeah. F- figure it out, or, or your clients taking the you know the brunt of it. Yeah. Um, you know, technology wise, we're doing really good. You know, we did a mediation yesterday in my office, and I walked by the conference room. We had, you know, our big screen TV hooked up to the Zoom, and it was, you know, clients and you know my one of my partners and one of my associates at a, you know, our big conference table, and you could see the other folks at their conference table somewhere else, and a mediator who was helping mediate the case at his own office, and wow, you know. That's that's the law working, and that's mm-hmm. the business world working. And I think mm-hmm. courthouses are going to go, you know, back to some sense of normalcy. You know, Galveston County, um, right down the street, um, is they're having an awful lot more in-person hearings, so they're doing things mm-hmm. differently. So Harris County is much larger, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, Brazoria County, some of the smaller counties, it's business as usual. No, that's good. Um, so you know, the majority of my docket happens to be in Houston. So, um, but. So a few cases I have in Galveston. I walked in there and had to argue some stuff wearing a mask, which is hard to talk yeah. that long and to have a mask. You're breathing your own hot air and say, you know, it's different. Can't persuade people through a mask. I can. I'm going to say You're I can. You're like, no, no, no. <clears throat> I can do it with my eyes. I can do it with my eyes, with my hands. <laughs> with your hands. hands talking there you very go. quickly. Um, but no, it's it's different. It's fun in some respects. I do enjoy the challenge of growing and figuring it out. And yeah. So, you know, if you go by way of the dinosaur and you want to say, only know how to do this one way, you're not going to keep up with the times. And right. I think with my firm being relatively, you know, having, you know, my partners and I are roughly the same age, you know, we're in our early 40s and we've got a long ways to do this. And we're happy to evolve. And if you want to sit there and say, we're going to only do it one way, well, then we're going to jump head and shoulders above yep. the next group. And it's, it's an opportunity. How's that? It can be an opportunity for sure. I think when when you start talking about like the courtroom and and litigation, it's like your eyes just light up. It's like that is an adrenaline rush for you, isn't it? It's it's the competitive part of me. So, you it's know. like let me persuade all these people to believe in what I'm saying. You know, when, when I talk to my stepsons, um, you know, they they, they ask, well, why why did you decide to be a lawyer? Right. right. You know, one's the junior at Clear Lake High School, the other one's a freshman, so they're getting close to figuring out what they want to do. You know, for, for their futures, I guess. And I'm like, well, I was an athlete growing up and I played every sport you can think of. And I was fairly decent at just about everything I played. Mm -hmm. And competition is just something that's part of me. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't imagine a different profession where I could get to have the level of competition. Now, granted, I'm not running, jumping and throwing things anymore um, Mm -hmm. for, for my competition, but the first person to make some mistake and it's an intellectual challenge and it's Mm -hmm. get ahead of the ball game. It's like playing chess. 
Yeah. Um, some lawyers play chess, some play checkers. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just is. Don't and, hire a checker playing lawyer. No, no that, that, that's a note. And then, and there's got to be a game plan. And, you know, I was privileged to work for one of the best lawyers I've ever known when I first started out this uh, in this world. And Greg Crinian's amazing. And um, I got some of the best training. And it was, you know, I also got to feed that competitive spirit. So for me, though, you know, right now is frustrating. And, it, and it's more than anything, you know, I was telling my wife, I was like, man, it's a good thing I don't drink a whole lot or something because I'd, <laughs> I'd be sitting here just depressed and drinking like crazy. But all I get to do to relate it to the sports world is practice. I mm-hmm. sit there and I draft letters and I send things and I do things and I never get to go play a game. And for me, playing a game is picking a jury and let's go have a two-week jury trial. Right. Um, and the adrenaline rush you get when the jury comes out to go read the verdict, it's it's pretty amazing. There oh are a few gosh, things. There, there are a few yeah. things when you know to see them come back and know that all that hard work and all those late nights and all the effort you put in, yeah, resulted in something good. And um, there is no comparison that I can think of in maybe in sales. We're saying, well, I got I got the big contract. I just sold the big deal. Maybe I could see that, but right. still nothing as the anticipation. The jury's out. The jury's out for two days, and you're sitting there. What oh, are we man. doing? Yeah. How are they going to come back? Do they believe my guy or not? Did my closing statement move the ball? Did it not? Mm-hmm. Um, it's absolutely exhilarating. And there's nothing better out there as far as I'm concerned professionally that I could be doing mm-hmm. to get my competitive juices going. Um, mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome. And, and I know a lot of lawyers don't like it because it's stressful and mm-hmm. it's hard. And uh, my partner Rodney and I um, laugh and say, you know, the jury – Trial lawyers are few and far between. There yes. aren't very many of them. I said, there are guys who are good you know, car wreck lawyers, but for what I do, complex commercial litigation, business stuff, um, it's not for the faint of heart. It's complicated. It takes a lot of time, a lot of preparation. It's stressful. Um, but I get excited. My staff laughs. They know when it's jury trial time because I'm walking around the office whistling Dixie. I'm just excited. I don't, I don't care that <laughs> I want to be awesome. I'm gonna be in my conference room till 2 a.m. prepping and doing things. And I'm tired and my wife sees the stress on my face and whatnot. But she also sees me get up in the morning, grab my cup of coffee, put on my suit and let's go play. I'm going to go have fun, walk in the courthouse, make sure my tie's straight and let's just go keep enjoy it. Going. Let's go. That's um, so cool. You know, then you have the two weeks after the fact where it's just this huge crash of, oh, my, you know, because you've been working like crazy and the adrenaline's gone. And it's like, oh, all that work that I didn't do for the last three weeks for all my other clients. Because mm-hmm. you have cut. to pause on yeah. everything to put all that energy so into that other, one thing. Yeah. yeah, but trial work. I mean, I'll have people say, oh, you're a litigator. And I kind of take offense because now I try cases. I'm a trial lawyer. I'm not mm-hmm. somebody who's going to push paper and try to settle at the end. That's not how I like to define myself i think there's a mm-hmm. difference you're like no i want to be in that court that's room. where i want to be and, I, and that's that's the worst part of covid is like i said this summer i thought i was gonna have a really fun summer i was supposed to have three really big trials go in may and then one late june and then one late july mm-hmm. and those all disappeared and that was really disappointing for me you're like man i don't get to, to nope. do my thing no plan so, well no you're plan. gonna have to pick up some type of other way to compete and get that that adrenaline I, playing, out of you. playing basketball with my 14 year old stepson in the driveway is what I, all i got right now I there guess. you go <laughs> so long as the knees can keep up you should try the 75 hard thing i'm doing wow okay <laughs> As long as I get to start over every other day, I think, I think we'll be good. <laughs> I'm going to do 75 hard for the rest of my life. I'm just going to start over every single day. No, it's been a, um, <clears throat> you know, you're probably a lot like me. Like, I have to have a challenge. I have to have something pushing me. Sure. And um, with all of this, it's like you do lose a little bit of that, that, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? And so this 75 hard has actually been really good to just give me something to, to chase in a sense, you know. So... You've convinced me. I'll give it a shot. I'll take a look and I'll see if I can 
Look Drinking the water it. part like, is going to be easy. Um. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I think everybody has a different thing that's hard on that, but um, or that's hard for them. I think it's going to be the diet part that's going to be hard. The sticking to mm-hmm. the nutrition part. It's always the hardest part. Getting working out is fun for me. Um, yeah. Doing those things. Like, so okay. my thing was, how am I going to find two hours a day to work out when I don't have that kind of time? Um, but as I progress through it, it's like... It's just happening. It's like you find time. You make time for what you want, you know, and you find time. You just, my time is so much more efficient, you know, and I'm getting in those two workouts and it's actually pretty amazing. I'm getting pretty strong. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's good. Yeah. I'll give it a shot. I need to get back. I benched 165 pounds. Shut up right now. No, I did. That's amazing. I have a tiny little thing to be benching. I hope my 14 year old stepson just heard that right now. (laughs) So, well, hundred more push-ups a night, dude, just so you can keep up. Something to keep up with that. You know, it's funny. I did that, and then Trey, one of our sales guys, big guy, he's uh, and was my kids' football coaches. He had to go in there and just see if he could bench more than me. So he's like, "There's no way Heather is going to bench more than me." In the gym. <laughs> That's awesome. He did beat me. He did, but um, yeah, no, I, I'm getting really strong, and I'm enjoying it. And I think the most uh, fun part of it has been the mental challenge of just. Creating some type of way to stay focused because it's so hard. And well, the, the balance that we need in life, right? So mind, body, and soul. Mm-hmm. So you know, you take care of your mind. You focus at work. You, mm-hmm. you work out. You eat right. Mm-hmm. You stay healthy, and then spiritually, take care of yourself mm-hmm. and devote yourself to those things too. And life turns out to be pretty good. But it does. That's that's awesome. Proud of you. Well done. All right. So it's your turn next. Okay. Brandon told me that if I finished, he would do it, and I t- reminded him of that last night. And he said, "Yeah, I'm not doing it." <laughs> Like, he's like oh, i'm not doing that <laughs> well i'll give it a whirl <coughs> excuse me like, i'll give it a whirl see if i the hard part's be finding the time to do the workouts yeah it was that's for gonna me, be the hard but part. it's been good and i'll listen that's what he's joking about i listen to a podcast or while you're doing it a sermon or whatever and yeah it's been fantastic and you pick out whatever workout you want mm-hmm. yeah so okay one has to be outside has to be outside so it's been neat like we've been you know coming at like we have a group that works out like five in the morning we've been coming and we'll set up all the equipment outside to work out outside and it's been really fun it's been something different um but one has to be outside they both have to be 45 minutes long minimum okay um but you know you do weightlifting and walking i mean you know like it's whatever whatever's your jam um whatever's my jam i like that one whatever's your jam but it is it's the um, the discipline, you For know. Sure. And I feel like with through COVID, we've all lost discipline. I mm. mean, everybody jokes about the COVID nineteen, like all the weight everybody's <laughs> put on. And it's so funny because I am starting to like see people in the community and at games and stuff. I'm like, oh my god, what just happened to exactly. you? You know, it's like people are just not taking care of themselves. Um, mm. But it, but it's hard because you know. You have to create that that discipline and all those things. No, yeah, give me a fire, help light a fire under my butt. I'd been doing really good early COVID. We had the opposite for me, so I got to where I was working out like crazy because I was yeah. bored out of my mind. That's you know, a lot of people did that. March, April, May, June, and and you know I'd gotten back into some really good shape. And then I kind of was moving a piano and tweaked something in my arm, so I took a little time off, uh-huh. whatever. I never really got back into it the same way. And then summer kind of was like, oh, <clears throat> and then it just kind yes. of yeah, no, it, it's good. 
Well, this has been great to catch up on everything. Sure. Um, glad to hear you guys are doing well. And I'm sorry you're not making any money in litigation or not litigation in trial. In trial. Um, but you'll get back there. Or eventually I'll get in front of a jury again. You, and I'm going to, I'll better. appreciate it a lot, a lot more. I'll tell you that. You will definitely have a new appreciation taken away from for it, right? right? Yeah. I'm sure jury trials will never just totally be gone for forever. I, you know, I just got yeah. so accustomed to getting four or five a year and mm-hmm. not to have. You know, I had one early last year in that 19, then you have anything else. And it was so. So my goal <clears throat> for the rest of my life mm-hmm. is to never have to have you do a jury trial for me. That's my goal for you too. <laughs> just so you know. I want to have everything done so well. Yes. You have all my papers we'll, done we'll, so we'll well. We sure don't end up in a jury trial, okay? We will do everything we can to avoid that. <laughs> that is But goal. also know that if something happens that's outside of your control, then you've got this one is the, true. You've got one of the most experienced jury trials around. This or is jury true. trial lawyers around. And someone who actually loves every second And who of enjoys it. it. Yeah, so, that's the thing. Yeah, no, very so good. So cool. Well, it was great catching up with you. Yes, ma'am. And we'll do this again sometime soon. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, thanks. guys. Y'all have a great and productive rest of the week. And as always, lead with love. Bye.